0: Friends, again, the Lord be with you. I wondered if it was okay if we could spend a little more time talking about freedom today. And to do so, I just want to jump right in to the the Apostle Paul's words for us, which come from Galatians 5. Listen to this. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in the single command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. Carousing and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and there is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ have been crucified with the flesh and with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So that's Galatians 5, verse 1, along with verses 13 to 26. Freedom. Right on. That's what we've been talking about. That's what we're celebrating this weekend. Love, joy, peace, religious freedom, freedom of speech, patience, kindness, generosity, indulgence, live how I want, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, reactiveness, defensiveness, bitterness. Oh, was that not how it goes? I I didn't notice I added some things in there. Friends, we can't help it. Every single voice in our lives gives us mixed messages about what freedom is, about how we should be pursuing it, and, and about who we should be pursuing it for. And so there are three movements of this text that I'd like to claim are important for us today. First, you were made for freedom. Second, the Spirit frees you from. And third, the Spirit frees you for. First, you were made for freedom if you're new at all to Paul's writing or to the Bible in general, what you need to know is that he's generous with this kind of freedom rhetoric. And, and he joins other, so many other writers of Scripture who all say things like, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. By Jesus, everyone who believes is freed live as people who are free. Why all this talk around freedom? Why have a national holiday weekend marking a moment of freedom? Why work to seek justice for the oppressed or hope for the marginalized? Because freedom is at the core of our longings and needs as human beings because God created it that way. In the beginning, the word was spoken and life burst into being sun, moon, plants, animals, and people, people full of creativity and imagination and laughter. And do you know what kind of world they came into? The writer of Genesis where the story is found doesn't use the word perfect, actually. It wasn't perfect in the way that we might understand it. But God said it was good. Very good, in fact. And there was shalom. Shalom, which means everything is in harmony and and all things are flourishing with and for one another. The way things were supposed to be, were meant to be. And oh, the freedom to live and Love and name and talk and walk alongside the Creator. And then, suddenly, with a hiss of a serpent and a bite into a fruit that promised knowledge, it all changed. Shalom was ripped away and freedom was put on standby. And so, you were created for freedom, but you were not born free. But even then, God would not be stopped. And the word Jesus made it so that we could experience shalom again, experience freedom again. He came to suffer with and for us to die on a cross so you would never have to experience life being separated from God ever again. He ripped the veil in two, and now we have the opportunity to have God living inside us. Freedom is there Jesus says he wants all who know him to experience life to the full. And if you don't want that, I don't know what's better than that. It's not the kind of life that's about having everything you've always wanted. It's not the kind of life that promises the absence of pain or loss. It's just not. But it's the kind of life that is breathing deep because you're loved better than your wildest dreams, because you're enough before you've done anything to prove that you deserve a place at the table, because you get to stop worrying about being too much and not enough at the same time. You know the kind of relief and settling that happens when You're with your favorite person, and they're known by you, and you're loved by them, and you can rest and just be fully you. That's what N.T. Wright is talking about when he says, when God offers us freedom, he really means it. We are set free already through the gospel and the spirit, and finally in the resurrection, to be truly ourselves do you want that? You were made for that. And when you say yes to that freedom, well, hold on just a minute because I'm getting ahead of myself. You get to say yes to that freedom. Maybe you've heard of this idea of daily conversion that while many of us do have a particular moment in our lives that we can say, this is the moment that I decided to walk and to align my life with Christ. That while many of us may have that, we also still need to wake up every morning and choose that life and claim that Christ in our lives over and over and over daily. It doesn't mean getting on my hands and knees, praying the sinner's prayer every morning because I'm just bad and I just can't get it right. What it means is that we need that habitual, everyday orientation toward the Spirit, because no matter what Western culture would tell us, we can't just do it on our own, and just trying harder won't make it happen. To borrow from Pope Francis, who says, for a Christian, conversion is a daily duty, a task of everyday life. And so all that to say, whether it's your first time or your 10,000 and first time being converted, what you've been catapulted into with that freedom is a two-part existence of life that you were made for. You're free from and you're free for. Free from and free for, an idea that has shaped the church's understanding of life with Christ for quite some time. And first I want to address that first piece. You are free from, the Spirit frees you from. When Paul wrote this letter to the Galatian church, he had two free froms in mind. The Galatians, who were Gentiles, were free from both their pagan pasts and they were free from the law, particularly the physical sign of circumcision that the historical people of God had to undergo Pastor John often reminds us on Sundays that we are free from a past that we cannot change. And that's true. The hurts that we've caused, the systems we've been complicit to, the choices that we've made that we can't undo. And then Paul takes it further. Freedom, he says, is from the ongoing hold as well of a faux sense of freedom he cautions us in this text to use your freedom as an op- to not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. And then the list. I'm going to read the list again, not because I want to heap on shame or guilt, but because I want to remind you exactly what you are free from in the Spirit because it is good news, very good news. These are things I think that you want to be free from. This time when I read the list, I'm gonna give it a Petersonian twist. Eugene Peterson is the one who helps us understand scripture using language that might feel, feel a little bit more familiar to us today you, uh, in his paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. Listen to this again, and as you do, listen to the one that hits a little too close to home. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way out all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, a paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. Which one got you? The thing is, it's not a rule book to get right, but chains to be undone. And the irony is, you are free, free to do all of that. You can stay in those places. But if you don't want to take it from me or from Paul, maybe consider the words of theologian Jane Patterson who writes, What we're discovering is something that Christian tradition has known all the way back to our origins in Judaism, that there is a tyranny of the self and its desires that can be as destructive as tyranny imposed from the outside. And the tyranny of self is more insidious because it masquerades as freedom Maybe you don't need freedom from the things imposed on you from external structures like this weekend's celebrations would have you believe. But internal, what's masquerading as freedom inside of you? Now here's where it gets really real. If it didn't get real already, here's where it keeps going. We are free from and we're free for. The Spirit frees you for. And those two things go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. So let's keep moving. In case you're like me, and Paul's fruits of the Spirit list is just deeply ingrained in you by way of a kindergarten Sunday school song, then this text may have lost its impact along the way. I'm not saying it did, but maybe. Maybe. So in case that's true for you, again, here's Peterson's take on these verses. He says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Again, I remember as an elementary school student learning this list, love, joy, peace, a.k.a. the things I need to do to be a good Christian. When I'm a good Christian, I have these things, and people will recognize that I have the Spirit, so I just need to do them to show people I have the Spirit. If this list gives you, like me at one point, anxiety, instead of taking a deep breath and sigh of relief, then I'm afraid you too have missed the point. You are missing the freedom. Again, we'll rehearse the story. You were made for freedom, but the reality of implicit freedom was taken away from you, but it can still be yours because Christ came and he loves you and he wants to be with you forever and he wants to make you his and you are free in him. Your identity rests in him, which means you don't have to chase or control or keep striving on your own anymore. And instead, Christ who lives in you by his spirit, he gives you a new way to live. Some people might call that way fruits. And those fruits, in fact, make you more you, not less you, more who you've always wanted to be. When your life is entwined with Christ, these fruits appear. They're not forced. And that's another of, way of saying they're not of you. Maybe they're of the Spirit. Maybe. I remember a classmate of mine in seventh grade, I'm going to call her Becky, saying to me at one point in the hallway, Jenna, you just think you're perfect, don't you? It's not about that. It's not about being the one who's the goody two-shoes and following all the rules. It's about being so connected and rooted in Christ that the things I'm free to be are what naturally spill over and life becomes, in fact, full, which apparently was not the kind of energy I was putting out into the world in seventh grade just in case you, like me, struggle or have struggled to know how to get there. For its entire existence, the Christian tradition has been grounded in what we would call spiritual practices. These ancient rhythms of life and faith open our hearts and our minds to the ways that God, through his spirit, is living and active in the world. We see these things And these practices appear in scripture so many times, like in the book of Acts when the church was born and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. It's a way forward. A couple of summers ago at my house in Maplewood, in the Maplewood neighborhood, I decided that we need to, to do some pretty significant pruning of our lilac trees, our lilac bushes that were in our backyard. Keenan, my husband, helpfully offered to take the project on, and with the brawn that he brings to our relationship, uh, I said, great, thank you. I took him up on it, and after a few hours, I went outside to check on his progress, and there were no longer any lilac bushes to speak of. To this day, he holds to to the belief that I had asked him to raise them down completely, but since he's not here and I've got the mic, I'm telling you my version of the story, I didn't. (laughs) All that to say, last summer then, we daydreamed about something new, a new flowering tree to put in our yard instead of the lilacs. We settled on a magnolia, and so we walked ourselves down to Yonkers Garden, we came home with a baby tree and we just knew it was waiting to burst into bloom the next spring so we we planted it in in our backyard using soil from a compost we watered it faithfully and we gave it a new home and then this year we waited with patient expectation and we waited and we waited And we're still waiting for this spring-blooming tree to show us its full glory. What I learned from Dirk at Yonkers is that if it didn't bloom, it could be the buds froze in late frost, it was pruned last year too late, a squirrel took the buds off, or more commonly, it's just taking a year off. So basically, gardening isn't particularly cause and effect, and it's better luck next year. I can do everything to make the conditions right for this tree, but ultimately I don't control the way that the tree bursts into bloom, or not. And here's the deal, engaging with the soul work of spiritual practices is the way to make the conditions right in our lives. But unlike my temperamental tree, the Spirit of God is not temperamental. And the fruit of God's Spirit springs forth when we least expect it. And so suddenly, as your blood pressure is rising because you see the tweet or the Facebook post and you, your fingers are raised, ready to type off that response, you remember the gift you've been given from anger to gentleness. And you breathe, and the peace rushes in because you know who you are, and you are made for freedom. And just as you feel the pressure to consume the newer phone, the bigger house, the car with higher status, you pivot from envy to contentment, and and joy washes over you because you know who you are, and you are made for freedom. Pastor John Mark Comer, who wrote a modern take on the spiritual disciplines called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he writes, So many people live without a sense of God's presence throughout the day. We talk about his absence as it's as it is this great question of theodicy, and I get that. I've been through the dark night of the soul, but could it be that with a few said expectations, we're the ones who are absent, not God. We sit around sucked into our phones or TV or to-do lists, oblivious to the God who is around us, with us, in us, even more desirous than we are for relationship. There's a relationship ready for you that offers freedom for a full life, a real life, the life you were created for. And so as we come to the table today, eating the bread, drinking the cup, or whatever version of that that you have at your house, I wonder if you could try something with me. As you take the bread and eat it, I wonder if you could offer to God in your spirit something that you would like to be free from. And as you drink the juice or whatever you have with you, I wonder if you could ask God for whatever gift of freedom you need in your life right now. This is Christ's body, which is given for you, and this is his blood shed for you.